moment ago, let's stand as we read verses 13 through 15. Luke 2, 13 through 15, and we'll see a few of the other verses that uh, surround this text in just a moment. Part of the Christmas story that you're very familiar with, it says that suddenly, and this is after the first angel had appeared to the shepherds there and explained that a Savior had been born, it said, suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. It says, then the, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. You know, we couldn't know much unless God made it known to us. And the ultimate revelation of God was when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, made Himself known to us like never before in Jesus Christ. Let's pray and ask Him to give us guidance this morning. Father, we thank You for the message we've already heard in this Advent series, Lord, that, that You are not only the hope of the world, but You're the one who can bring peace on earth. Help us to understand how You're doing that today. Through Jesus Christ, we pray in His name. Amen. You can be seated. You can't help but think when we begin to talk about the subject of peace on earth that you're really talking about wishful thinking. I, I can certainly understand why the skeptic or the cynic in the world today who doubts the whole Christmas story, the story of the incarnation that God the Son became a man and dwelt among us and that somehow through faith, or they might use the word religion, that somehow through religion that God was going to introduce peace on earth. I mean, if you ask the average skeptic in this world today, the, the average secularist, which really describes most people in the world today, do you think that their idea of what religion in the world is doing today is peaceful? <laughs> Not at all. They look at religion as many times the problem, and, and so much that they don't understand about biblical Christianity fuels that. Stephen Curtis Chapman sings a song called All About the Love. Now, next week we'll get into the subject of love a little bit more, but these lines are in the song, and I love this line. It says, now they're fighting in the Middle East, and they're fighting down on 7th Street. We might say Wall Street or Pennsylvania Avenue or any street, right? But he says, and they're fighting down on 7th Street, and there are fights in my own house on given days. Anybody say most days? <laughs> You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, right? Well, I mean, we have, we have wars even in our own homes sometimes. Fights in my own house on given days. It's like something's lurking deep inside, he writes, and he says, that can't seem to be satisfied, but life was not meant to be lived this way. And I would have to agree if we go back to the garden, that's not what God created us for. He did not create us to be at war with Him and at war with each other and living in a world where there is the total absence of peace. And the good news of this text is we can experience peace. We know that Jesus gives us peace, not peace as the world knows. One day that's coming 
world peace, but it seems like the more we try to pursue it without God, we become like those who were building the Tower of Babel. All we're doing is bringing more uh, self-focused, self-glorification. In the midst of that, we become selfish people, and we do more fighting and more to bring division than we do to bring peace. According to the Christmas story, according to the story that I believe to be an absolute true story, that God the Son became a man and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, according to that story, our understanding of peace needs to change. This morning, I just want to share a couple of thoughts with you. The first one is this, peace begins we might say real peace, but peace begins as the result of accepting God's grace. Peace begins as the result of accepting God's grace. You might ask, well, where do you see that in the text we just looked at, Pastor Robbie? In verse 14, we hear these words, peace on earth. Some translations in the next phrase, say, good will toward men. Some translations say that that peace is toward men of good will. Literally, as we look at this in the original language, it, it, what it's communicating is that peace is toward those on whom God's favor rests. Those, that word good will there, I believe, and in the Greek language, since Dr. Trump is here, and he can correct me this morning, eudokias, it's, it means it's the blessing of God that we could not experience unless God blessed us with it. And so when he says that it's on those whom his favor rests, it leaves us with a question then, if the only way I can experience peace and the only way I can be an agent of peace in the world is that I become one on whom his favor rests, then I want to know something. I want to know how in the world can I earn the favor of God? How can I do that? How can I get that? I want peace in my heart, and I want to be an instrument of peace in this world, so how can I earn God's favor? Anybody want to take a stab at that one? Some of you are already saying it. You, you can't. You can't earn God's favor in this way because the very definition of grace in Scripture is unmerited favor. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't deserve it. But because of his great love for us, he made it available. All we can do is accept it. He says on whom his favor rests, and yet we know God doesn't show favoritism. Remember what Peter explained to Cornelius when he was taking the gospel as, as a missionary, kind of reaching out of his comfort zone, saying, I'm going to reach out to people who aren't like me. And he says, basically, Jesus has made it known to me that God does not play favorites, that this peace is available because of God's grace to everybody. But just because it's available doesn't mean that everybody has accepted it. Everybody needs to hear the message of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? It's the gift of God, not by works. You can't earn or deserve grace. It's not by works lest any man should boast. We just accept it. We just receive it 
based on what Jesus Christ did for us. Romans 5.1 says that it's by that grace that we are declared righteous by faith, and we have, as a result of being declared righteous, being made right with God because of what Jesus Christ did when he came and lived a sinless life, died on a cross for you and me and rose from the grave, Romans 5.1 says we've been declared righteous by faith in this truth, and we have peace with God, peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason we don't have peace on earth today is because when we are born, we are born sinners by nature and by choice. Our hearts are born at war with God. And we're not only at war with God as a result of that, we are at war with each other. We're even at war with ourselves because we can't know peace until we accept what Pastor Ben read a moment ago, the Prince of Peace to come and rule and reign in our hearts. We need that message and the world needs that message. See, the message of the grace of God is this, that God accepts me based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Grace, God accepts you and me based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, not on anything we can do. Peace comes when we accept that grace. Peace through faith, I now accept the fact that he can accept me based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when I accept that he can accept me by faith, now I have peace with God. And if I can have peace with God Then I can have fellowship with you. I can have peace with you because of the grace that was extended to me allows me to give grace. I can be kind and I can be tenderhearted because of the grace that God has given me. I can now extend to you. That's fellowship. I can have peace with you because of the grace of God in my life. uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 4, says that in him, speaking of the Christ child, In Christ was life, and the life was the light of men, right? The light shined in the darkness. The darkness couldn't overcome it. There's there's light and there's life in Christ. What does that have to do with peace on earth? Because 1 John, the same John who would write this letter, would say in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, if we walk In the light, what light? The light of Jesus Christ. The light of this Christ child in whom was life. He says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And so our being right with God allows us to be right with each other. And so I can now, through the gospel of grace, have peace with God. And through the gospel of grace, I can have peace with you, and you can have peace with me, grace, peace, and fellowship, all resulting as it begins through accepting God's grace in our lives, peace in our hearts, and the peace of God that now enables peace to be shared everywhere that we take it, and people receive that grace and accept that grace by faith. Paul begins almost every letter that he writes with words like this, very similar phrase. He use the same two words again and again and again. If you read Paul's letters, he will say, grace to you. And then he will follow that because once you receive grace, you can then have peace. Grace to you and 
peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back and look at how many of his letters he begins that way. Somewhere in the early part of the letters, grace, because he knows that once you receive the grace of God, now your heart is at peace with God. And if your heart is at peace with God, your heart can be at peace with the people around you. You know, this is Romans chapter 16 and verse 20 that says that the God of peace, you say, well, wait a minute, we still live in a sin-fallen world. I'm going to finish this thought from Romans 16, 20, because some of the kids learn it in a song that we sing at kids' camp almost every year. But you say, well, wait a minute, we're still living in a sin-fallen world, and the devil's still at work, and he's still bringing hostility. The, the devil's attacking and, and bringing war in my home, and he's bringing war in my relationships. He's bringing war between me and my friends. He's bringing war between me and myself as, as, as I'm in this battle within in the deep part of my soul, and, and war between me and God. The, the, the devil is still the prince of the power of the air, and he's still trying to do his work. Listen to what Romans says, and the kids from camp can remember singing it every summer. The God of peace will soon crush Satan, right? What's the rest of the verse say? Not only will he crush Satan underneath our feet, it says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Because of the grace of God that is with me, I have a peace, and it's that peace that crushes Satan underneath my feet. And and so I can live my life in peace with God because of the grace of God, and I can live my life in peace with others. You say, but I I, I just don't sense that. I, I don't feel the peace. You know, this is the time of year for Christmas movies, right? Everybody's watching. Last night I watched It's a Wonderful Life. Now I'm ready for Christmas. I'm not ever ready for Christmas until It's a Wonderful Life, but last night I saw It's a Wonderful Life, and now I'm ready for Christmas. But another famous one, and now the animated version is like more scary than the old black and white that I grew up with, but A Christmas Carol. Man, Ebenezer Scrooge. Have you seen the animated version? I mean, that's a scary movie. It ought to be like rated PG-13 or something if it's not. Scrooge, he had no peace He was haunted by the sins of his past, the sins of his presence, and the sins of the future. Now, as much as I love the movie, and I think we should all be maybe frightened into doing good from time to time, being afraid of what we might face in the future and turning turning over a new leaf, becoming a good humanitarian isn't really what's going to bring peace in our hearts and peace on earth. Trying to do enough good to make up for all of the sin you've ever done, it's not how it works in Scripture. It might work for Scrooge. I'm glad the story has a positive ending. But we can only have that peace from our sins in the past, sins in the present, fears of the future. We can only have past. We, we can only have peace when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and accept his grace into our life and so that now our hearts are at peace with God and at peace with one another. Here's a second thought from this text that I want you to take home with you today. Peace grows as a result of denouncing God's glorious news. Peace is found in purpose. People that don't understand their purpose in life typically don't have a lot of peace in life. Many of us remember how we were saved, but we forgot what we were saved unto. We know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that we are saved by grace through faith, 
that not of ourselves, the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. But we forget verse 10 that says, we are now his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. What is your purpose now? What are we to be about now? We're to be about what these angels and these shepherds were about in this text. 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special or peculiar people. And it goes on to say that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his glorious light. That means when he has given us that light of peace that was so beautifully illustrated a moment ago, that we are to take that light and go and light our world by glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ, glorifying God, and making him known to those around us and those around the world. Look at verse 13. Even the environment through which this message of peace was delivered was an environment where the multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angels were praising God. And they were saying, you know, every time we see this, the angels in Scripture, I know we put together the songs that said, and the angels sang or the angels sing. And when you go to the Word of God, especially even in the book of Revelation, the angels never sing, they always say. It's the saints that sing. It's always the saints that are singing, but the angels are saying. Now, maybe they're saying musically. I don't know. Maybe there's a beautiful angel song, but I just thought that was interesting. The angels always say, and the people always sing, and so we need to be singing saints. But the angels were saying, glory to God in the highest. The shepherds picked up on that gloria in excelsis deo. As the shepherds also continued. Look at verse 20. After they had gone and they had seen the Christ child, it says the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard. Our lives should be lives that go about glorifying and praising God. It was the greatest context for the announcements was in a context of glorifying God. Now, when we come together on the Lord's Day, I don't want worship just to be something that sets us up for the sermon. Worship in and of itself is an end, is a purpose. You should be singing and praising and glorifying God. However, I do know that the Word of God, the message of God, is always delivered better in a context of celebration and worship and God receiving glory from our lives. And so they're glorifying and they're praising God. The Westminster Fashion gets it right when it says man's chief end, man's primary purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So we're to give God glory. Notice also in verse 17 that it says, and they made known abroad in the King James. They made widely known, the New King James says, the New Living Translation says, they told everyone. And I like what the NIV says, they spread the word. However you translate this, it means they took the message that they had heard and they told everybody they could possibly tell the good news of peace on earth. They were glorifying God and they were telling others. That's your purpose in life, to give God glory and to make him known. And if you want to grow in peace, you grow in peace by announcing this glorious news to anybody and everybody that you come in contact with. We can go. Pastor David reminded us of Acts 1-8 a moment ago. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, 
That's Madison County, Georgia for us, northeast Georgia, right? That's our Jerusalem. Judea, the rest of this state, Samaria, parts of the United States that aren't like us, and there's a lot of them. And then the uttermost parts of the world, we're to take this gospel to all nations. We can go. We have opportunities to go. In a moment, you're going to see flags that are brought forward from 20 of the 40 countries that we've been in as a church. Today is the 30, well, this month, I don't know if it's exactly today, but this month is the 35th anniversary of when this church was planted. And we've been in more countries than we've been here for years. We've been in approximately 40 countries as a church doing missions work, hands-on, and then through our giving in countless other countries where we haven't been able to go. We can give and we can go. The Apostle Paul, who was able to go, would write to churches like the church at Philippi and say, look, I've gone through hard times. And I've gone through good times. I've gone through bad times. I've had my needs provided for it. Other times I haven't, and my God shall supply all my needs. But he says, I want to give you thanks because you supported me. You enabled me. You empowered me to be able to go because of your giving, even if you were stuck there in Philippi. We can go and we can give. And when we do that, We're advancing peace by announcing God's glorious news so that other people can have peace toward God and their hearts not be at war with him. What's going on in our world today? You think we need missions? In the last 4,000 years of world history, there have been less than 300 of those years where historians tell us that there was relatively world peace going on. So the other 3,700 plus years, there have been wars. Here's an interesting fact. In the last 300 years alone, the last three centuries, there have been approximately 300 wars just in the continent of Europe alone. Now, this causes me to look for the second advent. (laughs) I'm ready for Jesus Christ to return and take over and take charge and establish his reign on this earth, I'm looking forward to the second advent. But I'm always reminded of what Dr. Adrian Rogers said about the first advent. He said in the first advent, Jesus didn't come the first time to save civilization from wreckage. He came to save people from the wreckage of civilization. So that even in the world that does not know peace, individuals who submit to the lordship of Christ can have peace toward God and peace with one another. And you say, well, what about the second advent? Matthew 24 and 14 says, when this gospel is preached to all nations, then the end will come. And so our job is right now to lead people to have peace in their hearts and to take this gospel to all nations until he comes. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, I thank you that we can have peace on earth, not peace as the world knows. We know that in this world we'll have tribulation. But we also have the peace of knowing that you've overcome the world. You fill us with your Holy Spirit, which empowers us with love and joy and peace. The very character of Christ. So that we can be at peace with you, Father, and at peace with one another. I pray that those here who know you would choose to walk in the Spirit, would choose to walk in 
that light and that life so that they can not only have peace with you, but have fellowship with one another. Bring peace into our hearts, bring peace into our homes and our community as we live with a purpose of taking this gospel and glorifying you while we do it to all nations. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.